to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello, everybody. So uh, we got a lot of information about War of the Spark at PAX East. So we're going to be jumping into that, talking about what we know about the set, uh, what we know about the story, the new mechanics, a bunch of cards that were spoiled that are relevant to Commander. But before we do that, I just want to briefly touch on Commander Theory's Patreon page. Commander Theory has a Patreon page, which means that all of you listeners can now start directly supporting the show and get access to some sweet rewards. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron and vote on what sort of content you'd like to see and get a shout-out in the show's credits. If you're willing to give a little bit more, you can hang out with us on Google Hangouts, get one-on-one deck advice, get your questions answered on the podcast, and more. Uh, And you can join our Discord server. So uh, check us out at patreon.com slash commandertheory and become a patron today. If you're on a tight budget and can't commit to becoming a patron, you can also help us out by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps other potential listeners find us so we can grow our listener base and invest some more time and money into the podcast. Thank you all for uh, supporting us and writing reviews, and we can jump right into today's topic. So, uh, man, so much information. Yeah, big, big old dump. Uh, so one thing I want to just... so. We're going to first talk about what we know about the set as a whole, and then we'll go into the individual cards. One cool thing that we learned is that every Planeswalker is going to have a static or triggered ability. Yeah, which is, that alone is a lot. Yeah. Uh, the, the three Mythic Rare Planeswalkers are each going to have one static or triggered ability, and then three loyalty abilities. The rare Planeswalkers are going to have two loyalty abilities and one static or triggered ability, and the uncommon planeswalkers are going to have one static or triggered ability and one loyalty ability so that is pretty cool i am hoping personally that at least one of these planeswalkers is going to have the static ability this card can be your commander but we'll we'll see might not be likely yeah they've been so strict about that i have no idea if they would do something like that but they're being pretty like ballsy Mm -hmm. (laughs) they've got a lot of moxie going into this set so who knows uh, another interesting thing is that instead of having just story spot like five or whatever, a few, a handful of story spotlight cards, a bunch of cards say spotlight and then act number whatever. So clearly um, there's going to be a lot of spotlight cards in this set and they're divvied up by the act so you can sort of follow the progression of the story. So it's going to be a lot of story being told on these cards and of the cards we've seen spoiled so far, um, uh, there are a lot. A lot of them have the spotlight tags. Not, I mean, not the planeswalkers, not the creatures so far, but the enchantments, the lands. It seems like most of them mm-hmm. that I've we've seen, seen so far. Yeah, there, there's a decent chunk of them. So I, there, I think there's going to be a lot of like story markers. Uh, another cool thing related to the story is that we we learned a little bit more about bolus's plan in this set so bolus wants to harvest all of the planeswalkers sparks to achieve godlike power um one thing i was a little disappointed with is that we still don't really know his motivation or he doesn't either he doesn't have a co- more complex motivation than just getting more power mm-hmm. um we haven't really gotten a peek into his mindset. Yeah, I don't. I, this is kind of what I was worried about: is that he was just 
I want power, and that was it. Mm -hmm. And was really hoping that, like, this mastermind elder dragon who once had godhood and has lost it would have a little bit more nuance Mm -hmm. to the plan than it looks like there is. So I... I don't know if we're going to get that. <laughs> yeah. I, I just wanted him to like have a reason for, mm-hmm. for wanting it. Like something like something like rational rather mm-hmm. than just like emotional. I like, he's always kind of been like insecure. They like, um, they showed us a bit of that when they did that twins storyline yeah. in M19. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so you can sort of understand like the emotional motivation for it, but it'd just be cool if there was a reason like I need to be a God so I can deal with the threat of the Phyrexians or this, or mm-hmm. like, you know, just, just to have a, a, a rational reason for what he's doing to make him a little bit more complex. And so the heroes can be like, is it really right to stop him? Because like <laughs> he could actually solve this problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If there's just a little bit more nuance to that storytelling, as opposed to just big dragon take power and bad <laughs> which is kind of what it's looking like right yeah. now yeah but uh so another cool detail we got to see the um trailer mm-hmm. for the set it's a longer one where we sort of get to see uh liliana and bolus battling over the zombie army of eternals mm-hmm. Uh, confirmed that Liliana listens to Linkin Park. Oh yeah, yeah, fan theory. Yeah, uh, we know a lot of people were out there talking about this, so we got it. It's confirmed now, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, so those are the the main things we know about the story and the structure of the set. Uh, we oh another cool detail is that every planeswalker in the set is going to have at least one card that is like their card. Mm-hmm. So for like named after them. So for example, like we got Frasca's finisher. Uh, we've got, um, Obnixilis's cruelty, just things that are (laughs) Tybalt's rager, uh, which is a cool little pun. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, um, yeah, it's just nice to, to have it be like a very themed set that if you like one of these characters a lot, you get a little bit more meat to, to build around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for the most part, uh, a lot of the spells look like they'll be fun. Some of them are like common draft jank Mm -hmm. seems to like relate to the rarity of the walker they're related to is what it's looked like so far so like tybalt's rager is an uncommon tybalt is an uncommon like stuff Al- like although obnixilis is an uncommon and his cruelty is a common so yeah maybe i mean uh i guess we still have to see that maybe I- i'm guessing that the uncommons will have common and uncommon cards and mm-hmm. the rares will probably have rares stuff like that but that's that's complete speculation yeah when I first saw Tybalt's Rager, I just like saw the name and the mana cost. And it's like, I, dude, I bet he would throw a good Rager. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, like the flavor text is Judith being like, hey, all right. Yeah. Uh, definitely like to see more of those, like the like the inhabitants of Ravnica interacting with these planeswalkers. <laughs> pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, that actually would be cool. I'm, I'm, that's something I'm afraid we're not going to see. But, I, I know. Uh, well, well, that's what the novel is for. Get to flesh out all those interactions. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, moving on to the mechanics of the set. Uh, there, there may be more, but these are the two we know of at the moment. Proliferate returns. Woo! So for those of you who, uh, haven't, aren't, who aren't familiar with it or haven't been 
playing since uh, Scars of Mirrodin. <laughs> Proliferate is choose any number of permanents and or players, then give each another counter of each kind already there. Um, so it works really well with Planeswalkers. You can up their loyalty. Um, yeah. It works well with energy, uh, experience, poison, mm -hmm. things that players tend to get. So I'm really excited to see more. They're, they're great tools, not yeah. only for Super Friends decks. Um, Just lots of different archetypes. In, yeah. in, I mean, you mentioned like experience counters. That's awesome. Um, obviously, this set has the Planeswalkers. So like that has implications there. But yeah. like plus one, plus one counter. Yeah, the, the panel did say that there was going to be a plus one, plus one counter theme in or the Spark. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a, another opportunity for synergy there. And of course, um, for any players who play with minus one, minus one counter yeah. commanders like Apatra, mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty useful there. Yeah, I'm really, really excited to hopefully get some good proliferate cards in colors that didn't really have them. So if there's like a green proliferate card that's better than Plague Maw Beast or whatever it was. Yeah, like, and white didn't get any the first time around. Yeah, so I'm really like crossing my fingers. Yeah, I just <laughs> want to so see cool. like staple effects at like a decent rate with proliferate mm -hmm. on top of it. So like, sure. like a naturalize with proliferate, I would play that. Yeah, no, 100%. Like the... I, they did draw spells with proliferate, like we had the Tezzeret's Gambit or whatever it was. Yeah, that one's solid. It would be nice if there is a cantrip with proliferate. Like a, a cheaper version of steady progress. Exactly, like I, not I'd, three mana. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I'd pay I'd pay one mana for that effect. That'd be a good, a decent card in the right deck. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it'd be like a really cool tool. So that would be awesome. Yeah, so hopefully they push that. Mm-hmm. Because proliferate, it didn't really show up in constructed the first time around. Did no, it? yeah, no, it was all entirely uh, limited, casual. Mechanic. It was limited and then casual, so like commander and kitchen table stuff uh, like that. Okay. And, and um, I guess you could argue like cube and stuff, but yeah, didn't really make an impact like competitively. Okay, well, hopefully this time around we'll get to see some pushed ones. Yes, that's the goal. Uh, all right, what is the next? Mechanic yeah that we've got the next mechanic was I, I actually think is an interesting idea it's called a mass and it has a number tied to it so like a mass n uh you'll probably see it as like a mass two or a mass x uh, it means put n plus one plus one counters on an army you control if you don't control an army create a zero zero black army creature token first so uh so it, okay there aren't so far any army creatures yes this is, that is a new creature type. that is a new creature type so specifically what this mechanic has intended to do is make the first time you amass you make a token and put a bunch of counters on it and then every time you amass after that you make your guy bigger mm -hmm. there's instances where you maybe made two tokens or you copied a token or something like that you'll end up with multiple armies and you'll pick which uh army gets yeah. more supplies um or, or actually i don't know if it, it's possible to get multiple armies unless there's some like i think in not in set i don't think in the set there is but i think if in you, like doubling season yeah, yeah exactly doubling season stuff like that you you might there's instances especially in commander where you might end up with multiple armies mm -hmm. um no word yet on if there's any errata for army ants <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no. I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. Everyone cross your fingers. Um one thing that I'm worried is is gonna happen and like limited, like wouldn't it be so terrible if there was like a common pacifism effect 
and you can just pacifism somebody's army and then all their masses are useless <laughs> after that. I'm really wondering what the removal is going to look like for this set because mm-hmm. there's a going to be a ton of token production mm-hmm. and the kind of normal suite of like blue type of creature, like white, like pacifism is going to, like you said, feel really bad mm-hmm. in instances like that. So I, I wonder if that's something they built around or yeah. if they just kind of live and let live. And also Here just like having so many planeswalkers around. The, mm-hmm. Like the fact that a draft is going to have 24 planeswalkers in it. Yeah. Like this is going to be the slowest, grindiest <laughs> format and it's going to feel... Yeah. Like, like if you start losing, it, you're going to get like... It's going to yeah. be hard to keep it from snowballing in one direction. Yeah, there's um, limited resources has talked about this. Like, we're not going to get too much into the draft, but, like, if you think about it reasonably, like, most draft decks are going to have between, like, two and five Planeswalkers in their deck because mm-hmm. they, they have been really, like, not a, a deck with a Johnny isn't necessarily going to want uh, a Tybalt or a, yeah. any, like, a, a Jace or something They're like that. They're still on the like, playing the on-color ones. You, 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 yeah, probably want to play the on-color ones. They don't all synergize together super well. But, uh, yeah, there's still going to be, like, you're going to see a Planeswalker every game, mm-hmm. more than likely. Like, if not yours, your opponent's. Yeah. So, that's got to be, that that has to be, like, a primary feature of the design mm-hmm. that we will see what happens. I'm hoping for good mass removal. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to, I think they're going to have to push some effects, like, direct damage in order to mm-hmm. to deal with like the the way that they've warped limited mm-hmm. in order to balance it which and all of these things we're saying are very good for commander yeah so I, let's, I think uh, the power level of these cards are yeah let's hope yeah, we'll see <laughs> but let's actually dig into some of the cards because that that's uh probably why you're here yeah yeah uh so we're gonna start with the planeswalkers that we've seen so far and mm-hmm. then we'll get into the the non-planeswalker cards so the first we want to talk about is Jace, Wielder of Mysteries. It is one blue, blue, blue for a four loyalty Jace Planeswalker. It has the static ability. If you would draw a card while your library has no cards in it, you win the game instead. Yeah. He also has plus one. Target player puts the top two cards of their library into their graveyard. Draw a card. And minus eight. Draw seven cards. Then if your library has no cards in it, you win the game. And uh, the reason I'm pretty sure the reason it has that line of text on it is that like if he has exactly eight loyalty and you minus it, yeah, you don't win. <laughs> yeah, you just die. Yeah, yeah, because it does look very silly on first glance. Like, why is it tell you you win twice? But it's it's because if you pop it with just eight counters, he's not there to win the game for yeah. you. <laughs> don't um, get too excited about curving Dublin season into this guy yeah. if he didn't have that rider. Yeah. Um, but uh so what do you what do you think about this card? Yeah, I think oh, I actually really like this guy in particular. Of the planeswalkers we've seen, he is like kind of up there for me. Like I actually might end up playing with him a little bit. I'm not sure where I like him a lot. I, I, obviously the lab maniac idea is good. It's good to have multiple lab maniacs. That was actually probably one of the biggest problems with lab maniac mm-hmm. was there's only lab maniac Mm -hmm. but um i think it's worse than lab maniac in a lot of ways yeah so i think that it is going to be fun to play with but you should probably still like it's just easier to tutor for lab maniac Mm -hmm. um you can 
reanimate Lab Maniac. Um, yeah, I like that with Lab Maniac. If you have a way to mill your library, if you set up like Basalt Monolith and Mesmeric Orb, mm-hmm. then you can mill your entire library, and then Lab Maniac's going to be in your graveyard, and then probably like Dread Return or something yeah. similar. Like, um, uh, what's the uh, flashback thing from Innistrad? Oh, um, the uh unburial rights. yeah unburial yeah. rights something like you're gonna have something like that in your graveyard so that you can get back lab you can recur lab maniac after it's been milled mm-hmm. and then try to win that turn um with jace if you mill your entire library and jace is in your graveyard there's not a lot of good ways to recur planeswalkers yeah so it's a lot harder to use him that way mm-hmm. uh it's nice that uh it's nice that he's not as vulnerable to spot removal yeah, that that is actually very nice. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you have him in your hand, and then I'm gonna cast him, and then mill myself out, like, you could probably just win there. Like, mm-hmm. you can just plus one him, I win. Yeah, which is uh, good. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a that's an awesome little bonus for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that both Lab Maniac and Jace are still outclassed by nexus of fate yeah. I, I just think that nexus of fate is the number one win condition for self-mill decks there's not a lot of a good reason to run lab maniac or jace over nexus of fate yeah yeah i feel that for sure it just the style points if you just want to feel if you want to do that if you haven't unlocked that uh, gamer achievement mm-hmm. yet <laughs> um but the next card is pretty strong this kind of plays into the uh, six mana planeswalkers can usually see play in commander mm-hmm. <laughs> list it's a liliana dreadhorde general she is a six mana planeswalker uh, four black black with six loyalty she is a liliana she has whenever a creature you control dies draw a card plus one create a two two black zombie creature to yeah two two black zombie creature token mm-hmm. minus four each player sacrifices two creatures and minus nine, each opponent chooses a permanent they control of each permanent type and sacks the rest. So, uh, a lot going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just kind of from the get-go, there's a lot going on. What are, you, what are your opinions on her? Uh, so, I uh, I like her. I mean, six mana is expensive, but there's a couple decks that she can do some work in. Um, so, this is the best static... This is probably the best static ability we've seen so far Oh yeah for sure um and i can really easily imagine like casting her and then sacking a bunch of guys and drawing a bunch of cards and then you kind of don't care at that point whether she lives or dies um but also like the fact that she comes down makes a chump blocker and then has seven loyalty seven loyalty is a lot that's a lot of loyalty yeah like we we talk a lot about planeswalkers being vulnerable in commander and they are Mm -hmm. but um it can also like attacking through that much loyalty is still difficult yeah yeah the the table has to commit and if you do drop her kind of later in the game or after a wrath or something like that that's Mm -hmm. pretty pretty difficult to get through yeah just chunk all of that seven loyalty off of there or even if like there's nobody with everyone has two or fewer creatures on the board you can just drop her immediately minus four and then okay board's clear yeah (laughs) really hard to deal with her at that point Mm -hmm. um yeah and i just like that um 
she seems so good in like a Savra deck. Oh yeah. Like Savra cares a lot about black token fodder to sacrifice. She's also a sacrifice outlet for mm-hmm. Savra so that you can get the um the grave pact, make your opponent sacrifice three creatures. Yeah. <laughs> uh and then of course when all your creatures are dying to Savra, because that's what she does, um you're drawing, you're drawing cards. cards. So and then the minus nine is uh just very powerful. I mean, y- you probably won't get the ultimate off (laughs) but you will definitely win when you do yeah no when it does happen i like we say this a lot like you can't really judge a planeswalker based on its ultimate but this one is this one will win for you just putting your the honestly it's just putting your opponent down to one land each like they're not coming back from that yeah 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 for sure it like and if you have any board of any thing yeah (laughs) like it's pretty hard to come back from that uh it could also be good in um tesa Mm-hmm. Orzhov Scion, the original Tesa, because uh, it's sac- It's a black creature to sacrifice to her ability. Um, and then when she sacks, when she sacrifices the black creatures to exile something, you get to draw a bunch of cards. Which is pretty red. Yeah. Um, so the next card is Ajani the Great-Hearted. So Ajani uh, costs four, two green-white for uh, five loyalty Ajani Planeswalker. Uh, static ability oh he's a rare so his static ability is creatures you control have vigilance his plus one is gain three life and his minus two is put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control and a loyalty counter on each other planeswalker you control so just kind of johnny's playing nice Mm -hmm. he's a team player team player um so this card to me he looks a lot like a johnny goldmane Mm -hmm. like uh the the plus one gaining some life the minus ability putting counters on your stuff and then the fact that your creatures i mean on a gold main like the vigilance was part of the minus ability but this one it's just static but pretty close there um and there are a decent number of decks on edh rec that run a johnny gold main but surprisingly most of those decks are uh or a, a very large percentage of those decks are Super Friends decks. Yeah. And this card just seems way better in Super Friends than yeah. a Johnny Goldmain ever was. Yeah, this looks... This is actually one of the cards that I was worried about them printing in this set was just a card that goes straight into Super Friends and makes Super Friends, like, the bulwark of, like, having five Planeswalkers on the battlefield that much harder to just deal with. <laughs> yeah. And, so. I, and I feel like this Johnny is going to um, be able to survive like even though he doesn't protect himself super well mm-hmm. uh i think he is going to be able to survive pretty well because like whatever other planeswalker you're pumping up is probably the real threat that yeah. people are going to be sending their aggro towards yeah and this guy is just going to be sitting there supporting and i've really undervalued vigilance in the past in like a multiplayer format but it's really necessary to like be aggressive but also defend like, I feel like a lot of aggressive decks, unless you're doing really crazy numbers, um, aren't... You, you just leave yourself too open. So, like, the fact that your commander has vigilance after you play this, like, it, I'm assuming this This is with the caveat if you're not playing this in Atraxa, which I think is the only deck that's really going to want to play this yeah. guy. But if you do do that, like, it's just going to be very... Ajani's going to make it very difficult to kill any other Planeswalker that mm-hmm. you're playing with. And that... Uh, is not something I was happy <laughs> to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, on top of Proliferator, if we see anything else in the format. Yeah. 
I, uh, I'm not convinced that this effect is worth a card, no. I, especially if we see pushed proliferate cards. Mm -hmm. Like, um, just adding counters to stuff, I think, is worth less than a card, unless it's, like, inexorable tide. Yeah. Because yeah. inexorable tide, you're getting, like, multiple counters per turn, and you can't attack it to death the way you can attack a Johnny. Yeah. Yeah, I do, I do actually think the only place that I would think to see a Johnny is super friends and even then he's pretty weak i yeah. think just like a contagion engine is just going to be better mm -hmm. just it, but it is yeah. going to be really interesting to see what super friends do look decks look like after this set yeah i'm hopeful but apprehensive yeah well, one thing i'm kind of curious about do you think we're going to see uh how many oaths do you going to do you think we're going to see <laughs> in this set Oh, yeah, I didn't actually think... I forgot they were doing that. Um, I don't know if we're... Okay, this is my prediction, is I don't think we're going to see that many Oaths in this set. I mm -hmm. think we're going to see more Oaths going forward. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see, like, Oath of Arlen Cord. I think we're going to see, like, Oath of Domery Raid or something like that. I think we're going to see Oaths of these characters that weren't in the Gatewatch, mm -hmm. but are going to go out and become part of the Gatewatch, and I think that's how they're going to fix that problem is it's going to be much more Justice League and much less Avengers watch Spider-Man do this cool thing. Mm -hmm. Like, Jace is not Spider-Man, and I don't want to watch him do that cool thing every set. But it'd be interesting to see how uh, I, I used Arlen Cord does something. Or it'd be interesting to see like how uh, Gideon interacts with any other Planeswalker you've thought. Like, Tamiyo and Gideon go to this point. Like, that's a little bit more interesting yeah, it, it definitely like got a little bit um, incestuous when it was just yeah. like the five, the Gatewatch five, and it's like spending so much time on those relationships, yeah. and and like I want to see things that are, are a little bit more complex because like so yeah. many of those relationships were just like sexual tension between <laughs> Jason yeah. and Liliana or between Chandra and Nissa or Chandra and Gideon. And yeah. it's like, can we just have rent relationships where we're just buddies? Yeah. That was the best. I think that's uh, my hot take for this episode. I think that was the best part of the Avengers one. And one of the reasons it was so popular mm -hmm. is all of a sudden you had all these superheroes being friends and fighting together. And people were like, yeah, like, heck yeah, sign me up for that. And one of the reasons why Age of Ultron, there's many reasons Age of Ultron wasn't as good of an Avengers movie, but one of them is just that we, I don't want, I don't want my superheroes to fight. I want them to be friends. Like, yeah. show me them being friends and like tackling this thing together. Like that, like, yes, there's drama in like these like tortured relationships, but like, that's what I would want with this kind of version of the Gatewatch is like. Like, when Vraska and Jace were doing the thing, that was awesome. Yeah. Let's get more of that. Like, let's get Planeswalkers we don't see very often interacting in the story more often. That's what I'm hoping for. Mm -hmm. And eh, we'll see. We'll see. But, yeah, the next Planeswalker is uh, Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge. Um, again, a six-mana Planeswalker, four blue-black, a five-loyalty Planeswalker. Tezzeret, uh, <laughs> the static ability, he's a mythic rare, is... Creature and Planeswalker spells you cast have affinity for artifacts. Uh, that's that's real. They yeah. they did that. That's pretty cool. Sweet. Uh, plus two, Tezzeret, Master of the Bridge, deals X damage to each opponent where X is the number of artifacts you control. You gain X life. Minus three, return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Minus eight, exile the top ten cards of your library. Put all artifact cards from among them onto the battlefield. Um, this... 
is um so Nick has used this word. I'm gonna steal your word. Sure. Uh, this feels very intro packy. Mm. Uh and I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think that the static ability is very interesting. It's not super powerful because he's a six mana planeswalker and then you have to have a board. Yeah. But it is powerful. Like cost reduction is a powerful thing. I think he could be part of like a plan you have. It seems it's definitely, it reminds me a lot of um, Sahili the gifted Mm -hmm. ability. Yeah. Cost reduction ability. Yeah. Yeah. The second plus one. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, he doesn't control the board at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's going straight for them them cards in hand and life totals, which yeah. uh, that can be a problem sometimes. But he's very big. So you play him and let's say you do the plus two. Again, like Liliani's at seven. Mm-hmm. So the main difference being that he doesn't have like chump blockers. Yeah, exactly. And he doesn't have the ability to kill stuff if you... Yeah, to. if you need to. Yeah, you have to count on those artifacts you're getting back from the graveyard. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty that's pretty uh interesting. But mm-hmm. he uh fun fact is the Biobox promo. Yes. Uh yeah, I I I think this is a really cool ability like giving creatures uh creature spells you cast affinity for artifacts. That's really neat to me. Um cuz I I just think that would be really like that might lead to like a deck built around artifact creatures where every creature has its cost reduced and reduces the cost of other things you want to cast mm-hmm. that seems fun yeah but uh well it'd have to be on like a, a legendary creature or something with the the you this can be your commander static text and yeah. not on this random buy a box guy <laughs> no yeah i uh i agree um but yeah kind of that being said uh we have uh an uncommon planeswalker mm-hmm. uh do you care if i read uh I'll, I'll do it yeah uh this is Raska swarms eminence it's two hybrid black green hybrid black green so four mana for a five loyalty Vraska planeswalker Whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals damage to a player or planeswalker, put a plus one plus one counter on that creature. And then her loyalty ability is minus two, create a one one black assassin creature token with Death Touch, and whenever this creature deals damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on this card? Yeah, I think that as a planeswalker on her own just kind of as a toke oh okay i should i need to rephrase how i say that because this set's gonna kind of mess with planeswalkers in general mm-hmm. i think as a card with loyalty she is not super powerful mm-hmm. i think that if you just want to play her as a value engine or a token producer that's not really worth it at all i do think she slots into certain decks very well um i would argue that she's very good in hapatra um i think people uh overvalue how much a plus one plus one counter on a creature is worth Mm -hmm. so i think you're very likely to get a card out of attacking with this assassin or a death touch snake because they block with something and you traded your token for a real card a real card um but she's not crazy powerful i mean this is kind of the power level i thought This is kind of the power level I thought the uncommons were going to be. Mm-hmm. 
I kind of wish that you could use her as your commander because I think yeah. she'd be pretty interesting. Like mm-hmm. that definitely would reward you for playing a subset of cards that yes. people don't normally play in commander. Um, like just focusing on death touch would be kind of cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Uh, one thing I noticed just looking at the set is that a lot of the uncommon planeswalkers are basically just token producer mm-hmm. spells. Like it's almost like um, they're they're really just filling out creature slots rather than filling out planeswalker slots. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing because it seems like a lot of them, like you said, the I think pretty much all so far of the un- that's true, right? All of the uncommon ones we've seen have made a token. Uh, I. So not Obnixilis, oh, okay. <laughs> but but a lot of them because Tybalt did, uh, Arlen, Voice of the Pack did. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, I forgot about Obnixilis, but yeah, no. That it, I think that is a big part of it. I think that having planeswalkers that flood the board is going to end up with kind of a more Rise of the Eldrazi limited environment where mm-hmm. it's slower. There's a lot of roadblocks. You had these like stupid zero ones all the time in Rise, kind of getting in the way of yeah. like hitting. I think that's what's going to happen here. You have these like. One one death touchers and these wolves and these devils and these zombies and I mean I think it's gonna be cool in a way that like it sounds like the play pattern is going to feel like a war. Mm-hmm. Like you're not it's not gonna be steamrolling, it's gonna yeah. be like like Amonkhet Limited or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be like a war of attrition where you're like trading resources and like really strategizing and trying to find a way to break through their yeah, their, defenses. their defenses. Yeah, for sure. And in that regard, I can see how Vraska is really cool. And like the fact that the tokens kill planeswalkers is not very relevant in Commander, but Mm -hmm. is super relevant in this limited format, I'm assuming. Yeah, she seems like she'll be pretty good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the to get back to commander <laughs> yeah uh so there are some other planeswalkers that have been spoiled but uh we're not going to really discuss them because we don't think they're very good yeah we womp um yeah sorry fans of tybalt arlen and obnixilis yeah also we are aware of some unconfirmed spoilers but they're unconfirmed yeah so we don't really want to put too much thought into them right now yeah uh they seem exciting, but mm-hmm. we'll we'll know for sure once they are officially spoiled, and we'll yes. tell you what we think of them. Yep. Um, but yeah, the first non-Planeswalker card we want to talk about is Ignite the Beacon. It is a white instant for four and a white, so five mana. Uh, it says, search your library for up to two Planeswalker cards, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library. Uh, this is an incredibly narrow but good tutor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two Planeswalkers for one card is literally a two-for-one. It's an instant. Uh, on top of the fact that Planeswalkers can accrue value over turns, um, there's a lot you can think about in regards to this card, but it's also... I don't I don't think most decks want this. Still. Yeah. And even like in Super Friends decks, if you think about the most popular Super Friends commander... Mm-hmm. Like it's like a Traxa mm-hmm. and maybe some like five color super friends commanders. Yeah. And in either case you have access to black tutors, which yeah. are just going to be a lot more efficient mm-hmm. and also have the ability to get you things that aren't planeswalkers. Yeah, for sure. And, and the fact that this one card, yeah, it's an instant. Yeah. It gets two planeswalkers. 
it's still five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're playing Super Friends, you probably drew some Planeswalkers, and hopefully you're not just playing literally every Planeswalker you can get your hands on. Yeah. Hopefully you're playing Planeswalkers that uh, can win you the game or put you in a position to win. So I don't think you really need to tutor for that many Planeswalkers. Yeah. And also, like, the play pattern of Planeswalker decks tends to be, like, like the plane, most good Planeswalkers cost four mana or more. Yeah. Especially the ones that are good in Commander tend to be more expensive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, ha- like, what tends to happen is you only get to play one Planeswalker per turn. <laughs> and if you're spending five mana on Ignite the Beacon, you are basically taking a turn off from casting Planeswalkers to, mm-hmm. to do this. So I think that in the Planeswalker deck, you really do want the more efficient tutors, the gambles, the demonic tutors, yeah. etc., just so that you can cast a Planeswalker and do some tutoring to set up what you're doing next turn. Yeah, and that is... I do want to throw this caveat out here. Like, if you have a board of Planeswalkers and then you ignite the beacon, get two more Planeswalkers, like, yeah, that's going to feel really busted because probably at that point you're already the arch enemy. Mm-hmm. But I don't want that to skew your perception of like, oh, no, then they got the two Planeswalkers that are going to seal the deal. That's like, you were already losing yeah. in that board state. Like, that's not this card being busted. That's their game plan being busted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I I, I think... Uh, you had some t- statistics on this card. I do. So uh, some good points of comparison, I think, um, are Call the Gatewatch and Plea for Guidance and Idyllic Tutor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Call the Gatewatch is three mana, uh, two and a white, to search your library for a Planeswalker card and put in your hand, then shuffle. Idyllic Tutor is three mana, two and a white, to search your library for an enchantment card and put it in your hand, then shuffle. Uh, plea for guidance is five and a white for sorcery search your library for up to two enchantment cards and put them in your hand and shuffle so plea for guidance is uh or ignite the beacon is sort of to plea for guidance what uh ideal what call the gate watches to idyllic tutor Mm -hmm. um and likewise Ignite the Beacon is to Call the Gate Watch what Plea for Guidance is to Idyllic Tutor. So Plea for Guidance sees less play. It's in 29% fewer decks than Idyllic Tutor. Yeah. And Call the Gate Watch is in 58% fewer decks than Idyllic Tutor. <laughs> so basically, this card is going to see much, much less play than Idyllic Tutor. Yeah, regardless of anything. Yeah, so I think you're going to see... If you so currently, idyllic tutor is in um, six thousand six hundred and sixty decks. So for idyllic tutor or for um, ignite the beacon, you're probably gonna see that in maybe three thousand decks. Mm-hmm. So not not a huge impact yeah. on the format, really. Yeah, yeah, an interesting tool for the toolbox a few of these cards we're going to mention are kind of i feel like that vein yeah of an interesting tool but not necessarily a format staple so far mm-hmm. um so yeah i think the the next card can i go can yeah I go yeah on? go ahead so the next card is ravnica at war a, a three and a white for a sorcery exile all multicolored permanents so uh not 
super good. Mm. <laughs> um, most commanders tend to be multicolor, so you hate on multicolor commanders, but really, uh, if you if you think about the board state of games you played, I, I want next time you're doing that, I want you to count all the non-commander cards that are multicolored mm-hmm. and it will be very few yeah it will be like most cards that are played in general are monocolored yeah or uh no colors at all just... mm-hmm. yeah or artifacts yeah or or yeah uh, yeah and sure. and i think a really good point of comparison for this is radiant purge mm-hmm. from dragons of tarkir it's one in the white for an instant exile target multicolored creature or multicolored enchantment so that right there is basically all the multicolored permanents you'd see except for planeswalkers, mm-hmm. which you know aren't that common anyway. Yeah. Um and that sees almost no play. I think it's in like five hundred decks or yeah. something. <laughs> so if Radiant Purge doesn't see play, then I don't think Ravnica or is gonna see play, and it just yeah. doesn't seem good. Yeah. I think this is if you are playing in a league and you have um things that kind of force you to build around certain things. Maybe you get points for blowing up commanders or something like that. Mm-hmm. This might be a card you'd look at for something like that. Like if if commanders in a very highly multicolored playgroup are a problem, you would play this card. And if that doesn't sound like your playgroup, you're probably okay. <laughs> yeah, like maybe if you're having a really tough time dealing with like a Xenagos player or something. Something but... weird, yeah. Yeah, because the Exile is nice, but again, uh, ooh. Yeah. But do you want to talk about the next card, which I'm actually very excited about? Sure. <laughs> uh, this is Flux Channeler. It is two and a blue for a 2-2 human wizard. And whenever you cast a non-creature spell, proliferate. Woo! I also uh, am a big fan of the flavor text on this card. Yeah, pretty rad. Inform our allies in the 10th and throw the circuit. It's about to get weird. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah, so this is... Uh, I mean, the obvious comparison is Inexorable Tide, mm-hmm. um, but I think it'll see play in more decks than just... Uh, I mean, okay. I think it'll see play in Planeswalker decks, mm-hmm. because Planeswalkers are non-creature spells. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it'll get played in more decks than even that, uh, just to say it that way. Definitely. Uh, in Mizzix decks, it seems like a good way to get additional experience counters. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like dub, like essentially having two Mizzixes on the field. <laughs> I don't know why I had trouble saying that. It's an easy word. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but so that seems pretty good. Also, like if you manage to get one experience counter with Mizzix and then Mizzix dies, you can kind of use Flux Channeler to like bump yourself up. And then mm-hmm. when you cast Mizzix again, you're already at enough counters to combo off. Yeah, to do the thing you're going to do. Um it might also be good in Noyan Dar mm-hmm. as a way to grow your man lands. Yeah, for sure. Because that deck run I mean, naturally you're gonna be running a lot of instants and sorceries in Noyan Dar, so you're gonna be able to trigger this guy pretty easily. Yeah. Um and then potentially, although I'm not as familiar you might be more familiar with uh, Azuri Claw of Progress. Oh yeah, I was I was gonna say I think the blue commanders are very the blue experience commanders are good with her. Mm-hmm. I think she's better in Mizix. I think she's good in Azuri, um, but Azuri doesn't typically have, like, 
a ton of non-creatures. Yeah, because Azuri gets experience so easily mm-hmm. that it tends not to be a problem where like Mizzix has to be there to get the experience and you have to cast a spell that's progressively larger. Yeah. This definitely lets you cheat that. Mm-hmm. Like Mizzix died and you go, okay, well, I'll play this and I'll brainstorm and I get a counter. Mm-hmm. Like, And that is a lot more powerful for that deck than for, uh, for Azuri. But I think it's good in Azuri. It triggers Azuri and uh, similarly does the same thing. Makes yeah, the there'll probably be up. some non-creature spells to trigger this thing. In there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah, this is the the next card is this the is, big one, the big th- boy. This is uh, probably the most... Im- this is the, the most important card we've yeah. seen so far. Yeah, 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 100%. Um, it is called Bolus's Citadel. It is three black, black, black. You know, honestly, we should have started the podcast with this. <laughs> three or black, 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 black. <laughs> For a legendary artifact, you may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may play the top card of your library. If you cast a spell this way, pay life equal to its converted mana cost rather than pay its mana cost. And also has tap, sacrifice 10 non-land permanents. Each opponent loses 10 life. So, honestly, the activated ability is not that important because the first two are enough to combo off extremely easily. This seems like this set's Paradox Engine. Yeah, and uh, to be fair, most sets don't even get a Paradox Engine. (laughs) So, this is... uh, I don't know. There is a lot. So, if you have... Yeah, if if your deck has a lot of cards... selection and tutors um then this could probably just win the game all by itself mm-hmm. oh, the, for sure. yeah the like i mean you start with 40 life in commander and if your curve is relatively low or if you play a commander that's just gains a lot of incidental life like say aloro or kambal or karlov then you can just kind of play through your deck mm-hmm. and the only stumbling block is when you hit lands but if you have a lot of card selection, if you got like cheap blue cantrips that can scry, um, or tutors to get the few ways to just make it so that lands aren't a problem, mm-hmm. um, then you can just make it so that your entire library just chains through it yeah. and you cast the whole thing. Yeah, it is. It's a lot. It's very strong. <laughs> yeah, and that has uh, Nick has some some tech for you. Yeah, there's some real good ones out there. So. Um, I'll start off with uh, the the strongest, I guess, is mm-hmm. Sensei's Divining Top. So if you have Sensei's Divining Top, you can flip it, draw a card, put Sensei's Top on your library, and then you can play Sensei's Top from your library for one mana, and you're back where you started, except you have one less life and one more card in hand. So <laughs> it's kind of like a build-your-own Yagmoth's bargain, and uh, you can. so it's probably worth it to play cards that let you search out uh search out your sensei's divining top once you've got your citadel on the battlefield and then you can just boom 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 Mm -hmm. and once you have your entire library in your hand you probably win Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's ways to do that yeah (laughs) they exist uh i also like mana severance um this is a two mana sorcery that allows you to search your library for any number of land cards and exile them so if you do that, then you can get rid of all those lands that would normally stop you from fizzling, and then you're guaranteed to just combo off and win. Yeah, you just get all the juice. Yeah. Um, I also like Aetherflux Reservoir. Yeah, this one is 
God, this one convinced me real hard. <laughs> uh, so Aetherflux Reservoir, if you're not familiar with it, is four mana artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, you gain one life for each spell you've cast this turn. So with uh, the Citadel, like you're going to be casting a lot of spells because you're basically not bound by mana anymore. It's entirely about life. And Aetherflux Reservoir, I mean, assuming your deck's curve is reasonably low, Aetherflux Reservoir's life gain is going to outpace the amount of mana you're putting into your Citadel almost immediately. Even, honestly, if if you're paying four life per spell, once you're gaining five, six, seven, eight, like once you crest that that horn that that kind of curve you just go you cast everything yeah (laughs) you don't think about it anymore you just go like this and this and this and you just keep moving and then etherflux reservoir is uh importantly also probably one of your main win conditions Mm -hmm. because its second ability is pay 50 life etherflux reservoir deals 50 damage to target creature or player yeah so when you're not bound by mana and you also get to draw cards until you like just keep drawing cards as long as you don't hit lands on top of your library, then it's pretty easy to storm off and get your life total to a point where you can just nuke yeah. your opponents. <laughs> just death laser at you, death laser at you, just mm-hmm. like multiple. Yeah, it's really nuts. And you don't even need to have like 150 life, even just to to get over that threshold of 50 and be able to say, if you mess with me, you will die immediately. <laughs> Please attack him instead. Yeah. <laughs> It's very silly. Yeah. Uh, well, another thing I, I like is, um, and this is less a, a card that combos with it and more just a commander that I think works well with it. Mm-hmm. To, to be fair, there are a lot of commanders that work well with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this this one is notable for reasons you're about to hear. Yeah. So for other commanders that are good with Bolas's, in Bolas's, or just Bolas's Citadel, I keep wanting to say like in Bolas's, <laughs> in Bolas's clutches. Um, but like for other commanders, they that are good with it they tend to be good on their own so for example like um Sidisi, undead vizier yeah she is just powerful by herself like she goes and gets other combo engines she did that before bolus's citadel ever came around yeah <laughs> then commander i'm going to mention next is notable for being extremely weak yeah like, he was a joke he was never ever good for a decade and he actually <laughs> has a lot of synergy with Bolus's Citadel, so he gained a ton of power level with the introduction of this card. And uh, that commander is Circu Demir Lobotomist. So Circu is, and if you're not familiar with him, I uh, yeah, we don't blame you. Yeah, you've probably seen him like at the bottom of the uh, bargain barrel, like mm-hmm. uh, junk rares at your local card shop. Yeah, there's literally he just was not good enough for any format he was the saddest legendary creature uh didn't even have a goofy thing like mishra yeah <laughs> to like build around him with so uh circu demir lobotomist is two blue black for a two three human wizard whenever you cast a blue spell exile the top card of target player's library whenever you cast a black spell exile the top card of players of target player's library and your opponent can't cast spells with the same name as a card exiled with circu demir lobotomist so unless your opponents are running like uh the mirror match unless they've got like <laughs> the exact same list yeah it's relatively unlikely that the last ability is going to ever do anything yeah if it's you with circu and like three uh riku of two reflection decks mm-hmm. just like 
pimped out, playing all the same Avengers Endicar, mm-hmm. <laughs> like big spells. Then maybe it'll do something, but it's still <laughs> like a singleton format. And yeah. so just the odds of actually preventing them from doing something are so low. Yeah. Um, so the the last ability doesn't really do anything. And then in terms of mill, like this card is just not good enough like so you, inefficient you've got 300 cards to work through and if you're doing them onesie twosie then <laughs> you're not going to win that way yeah yeah it's just too much but here's why i like him with bolus's citadel so when you uh cast a card off the top of your library with bolus's citadel there's a moment where it's on the stack you can still see the new card in your library and circu triggers so you have the opportunity to choose okay, I see the next card. Do I want to exile it or do I want to target my opponent with this ability? So if, if the next card is a land, you exile it with Circu, and then that's you're less likely to fizzle off because the next you get basically get another shot to see is this another non-land yeah. card that I can just keep casting and keep going with my combo. So uh, I, I like that a lot. Um it's just a nice way to make it a little more difficult for you to fizzle when you're comboing off. Yeah, and, and you're in the two colors that can find Bolas's Citadel the easiest. Yeah, you get all the artifact tutors, you get the unconditional black tutors, and like the cards you really want to to see with Bolas's Citadel are like the the blue cantrips, the preordains, yeah. the serum visions, like the things that can just put lands to the bottom and keep the party going. Um and so I think that he's really good, both just his abilities naturally synergize with it and his colors are really good. So if you want to go off with uh, with Bolas' Citadel, I mean, you could probably do it in in any black deck, <laughs> but uh, it'll be a little bit easier with Circu. Yeah, he is a home. He's, he's, he's on the team now. Yeah. Wow, look at that. Good and, job. Yeah, and I actually have a uh, a circu list that I'm gonna post with this episode. If you all want to take a look at it, uh, I I made it today, so <laughs> it still has plenty of room for improvement. Let me know how you think I can change it and make it a little bit better. Yeah, but I think it's sure. a very cool deck. I think so too. So yeah, this next card uh, is pretty cool. I I actually like it a lot. It is called Dreadhorde Invasion. Uh, it is a black enchantment. It costs one and a black. And it has, at the beginning of your upkeep, you lose one life and amass one. So uh, the first turn, you get a 1-1 one, one zombie. Next turn, it's a 2-2. Two, two. Next turn, it's a 3-3. Three, three. And it also has the line of text, whenever a zombie token you control with power 6 or greater attacks, it gains lifelink until end of turn. So um, I think the obvious comparison is Bitter Blossom. It's yeah. very, very similar to Bitter Blossom. Um, and there's pros and cons. Uh for it versus bitter blossom i think uh bitter blossom is better more of the time mm-hmm. but you have some kind of synergies for this guy if you want to get into those guys yeah sure um so one advantage that this has over bitter blossom is that uh there's not really any fairy or rogue tribal yeah <laughs> in commander but there is zombie tribal so I like this in Verena. Mm-hmm. It's just something you can cast early, and then it's, which is pretty important. Like I run much worse zombies that are just <laughs> cheap, so I can guarantee, so I can try to curve into Verena. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So getting this down on turn through, turn through, getting this down on turn two, uh, getting a guy on turn three, and then when you have Verena on turn four, it's ready to attack as a two-two. That's good. And also, like one of Verena's big weaknesses is that she's vulnerable to board wipes. Um, so this is a card that if somebody wipes your board, it's still coming back and it can still start attacking the next turn. Mm-hmm. The invasion didn't stop. Exactly. Um, so I also think it could be good as a repeatable source of sack fodder. Um, notably, when it comes in, it's got one toughness, so you can clamp it. Uh, and if you just keep sacrificing it to things like attrition or mind slash or whatever, then you'll keep getting a new token every single turn. Yeah, there's a ton of synergies. Like a lot of the same synergies that Bitter Blossom had. To be fair, but this is a lot cheaper. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a lot cheaper than Bitter Blossom. This is going to be a one dollar card. Yeah, this is going to be a one dollar card. And and every now and then you'll attack with a six power zombie token mm-hmm. and gain some life. <laughs> it's it's weird that it says zombie token. Yeah, like I don't think it needed that restriction. I don't think so either. It's ve- like zombies are powerful because there's a lot of them, not because yeah. they're big. So whatever. There's almost no zombies that have, like, base power six or more. Yeah, it's weird. No, for sure. All right. Uh, do you want to read the next card? Sure. Uh, this is Time Wipe. Two white, white, blue for a sorcery. Return a creature you control to its owner's hand, then destroy all creatures. Uh, I, I like this card a lot. I like asymmetrical board wipes. I've been playing Hellfire for many years. Um, and I like that this doesn't target the creature it bounces so you can still cast it when you have no creatures on the board Mm -hmm. and it also can't be fizzled by removal yeah so that's that's, great that's another bonus um it's to me it seems like a pretty easy inclusion in like blue white lists that are looking for sweepers yeah i think this is actually like one of the better sweepers we've gotten since like Pontu's Last Reckoning. Mm -hmm. i can uh, maybe since cleansing nova cleansing nova yeah yeah uh but uh speaking of recent sweepers though i just uh to me it seems like they've gotten a lot better at designing five mana board wipes yeah 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 yeah. that feel good to cast and are five mana yeah yeah because like when they first made the change i think the next one they put out was end hostilities and like nobody really likes that card it's not really it's not necessarily asymmetrical yeah like, because you're, you're probably going to be running, like, a Lightning Greaves and, like, oh, I don't want to blow up my own stuff. <laughs> um, Fumigate was a little bit better because it's, like, oh, that's a cool writer for the decks that care about life. Um, and then after that, we got Cleansing Nova. Yeah, and, which was great. Yeah, which was awesome, which is a, a big surprise and a, a nice addition to the format. And then we got this. Yeah. Um, so really excited to see more five-mana board wipes at this power level because I'm definitely willing to trade a day of judgment for something that can like get me has more flexibility or can mm-hmm. save my commander yeah it has a little bit more value attached to it yeah yeah for sure um yeah i just agree with all those points hmm. um which kind of brings us to the next card oh yeah <laughs> which is uh i don't know not not quite as spicy this is interplanar beacon uh it is a land and it has whenever you cast a planeswalker spell you gain one life it taps for a colorless, and it has one tap, add two mana of different colors, spend this mana only to cast Planeswalker spells. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think me and Nick both agree this card is like not... The lists that you want to play this card in 
this is a bad land for yeah. like this doesn't help you cast your commander in most of the lists that are going to want to play this card and that sucks <laughs> yeah like if you think about the commanders that are most strongly associated with super friends it's like atraxa yeah which has a beast of a mana cost yeah progenitus yeah and sliver uh hive lord, hive lord. Yeah. yeah it's just commanders with no uh no holes where you could plug in the colorless mana yeah so um yeah just uh kind of stinks yeah, kind of. I'm a. I, at first, I was really excited. I saw like add two mana of different colors, and was like, "Oh my god, yes!" Like uncommon, like fixing. And then I saw spend this mana only to cast planeswalker spells, and went, "Oh, <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, all right, all right, I guess." Not yeah, not a huge fan of this. Even if you've got like twenty five planeswalkers in your deck, like that's a decent proportion but you will always have your commander in your hand and yeah. this card will never allow you to cast it. And and I know we we speak to like uh playing budget a lot and price restrictions and stuff. And that's actually probably the thing that bugs me most about this is that it doesn't actually help people play a budget version of super friends. Mm-hmm. You're still better off playing your fetches and duels and fetches and shocks and all the all the really expensive filter lands. Or at and, the very least, like, try lands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still better off doing, like, if I was going to make a budget five-color Planeswalker deck, I would use the try lands, all ten of them, over this. Mm-hmm. Just flat out. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I would ever put this in that list, and that that kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. It feels real bad. Agreed. Uh, and got another land, though. All right. Uh, Emergence Zone. This is a land that taps for one colorless mana. And it has one tap, Sacrifice Emergent Zone. You may cast spells this turn as though they had Flash. Um, so I'm not a big fan of this card. What do you think? Yeah, I, so I'm also not a big fan of this card. I think that I like seeing uncommon lands that do something that can be powerful like this because I like having cards kind of put them in the, the back pocket, toolbox idea mm-hmm. pocket for later. Maybe there's a commander where this is good. Maybe uh, this has a little utility. Like it definitely has a little bit more utility in like a Titania or something like that that cares about lands. But like I don't even I don't even think like enough to warrant playing over like the options we already have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just don't like it enough. I think. Yeah, I'm not a a big fan either. Like the easiest point of comparison for me is Winding Canyons. Yeah. Which is a land that taps for colorless and it has two tap you may cast creature spells this turn as though they had flash. I feel like that gives you the majority of the value of this card, except uh you don't have to sacrifice it. Yeah. <laughs> so that card just seems like a a much better alternative if you're trying to do this mm-hmm. i wonder maybe if there's like a someone out there who like really wants to break days undoing <laughs> like if that if you yeah. just really want to <laughs> make somebody skip their turn while yeah. you draw seven cards maybe i i've done that a lot easier than this yeah land lets you do that and and to be fair like i'm gonna give this land a shot i'm gonna see like Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is good and put it in a deck and try it out. But, like, I don't have high hopes. Yeah. Uh, if you play with this card and it works real well, 
let us know like tell us like the situation it worked but i don't i don't expect too much out of this yeah and honestly yeah. that whole day's undoing combo that's still worse than just time spiral <laughs> time spiral <laughs> does the same thing on it, a single card it does um all right uh we want to end with a couple of reader questions we asked some of our patreon patient <laughs> patreon patrons to uh give us some questions related to war of the spark running planeswalkers in commander so we've got a couple good ones here um the first one is do you think that the rules committee is going to rule that all planeswalkers can be commanders and how do you feel about planeswalker commanders in general that's a, a double-barreled question. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to answer it first, and then you tell me your thoughts. Um, uh, yeah. So I think that, well, we've been doing a couple interviews with members of the Commander Advisory Group, and uh, you'll you'll get to see a few more of those yeah, this is gonna in come the out near first, future. I, I yeah. Um, but there's been some interest expressed in experiments similar to when they allowed all silver border cards to be legal for a month. Yeah. Um, following the release of unstable. So there was a little bit of interest expressed in like thematic appropriate experiments or like brief trial runs, that kind of thing. So if the rules committee were going to do it, it would make sense to do it for a short period, right? Following the release of war of the spark. Mm hmm. Um, I don't think they're going to make a sweeping change without doing some sort of test first. Exactly. I, I think that it's not likely that the rules committee is going to just flat out say planeswalkers can be commanders mm -hmm. just out of the gate because of a set with a lot of planeswalkers in it. Do you want to talk about how you feel about planeswalkers as commanders? Well, I've run several planeswalker commanders. I, I like them. Um, I ran Duretti for a long time. I mm -hmm. ran Teferi for a little while. Um, I currently run Lord Windgrace. Yep. Uh, I, I, I like them. They, it can be tricky to keep them alive. Yeah. You have to, but there, it does unlock a bunch of cards that you can't normally run. So, for example, um, in my red-based Planeswalker decks, like, there's all these messed up red enchantments from way back before planeswalkers <laughs> that introduced that kind of destroy everything except planeswalkers. Yep. So if you ever get the opportunity, get enough mana, you can go like Duretti, Jokelhaups, and there are no permanents on the board except my planeswalker Damn. who is just going to be reanimating this worm coil over and over. Mm -hmm. um, ditto Lord Windgrace. Yeah. <laughs> like when I can get back two lands a turn out of my graveyard and nobody else has lands because of devastation it's really easy to pull ahead yeah. <laughs> or just like any black planeswalker commander you've got access to like spreading plague so just no creatures will survive ever yeah they're all dying all yeah. the time uh death match mm -hmm. um the abyss if yeah. you're wealthy or something <laughs> um so i like that they open up new cards that are otherwise really hard to work with really yeah. hard to break the symmetry on um they there is like a a challenge because they can just get beaten down. Yeah, but I think they're fun. But yeah, how, how would you address this question? I, um, I think that the planeswalkers that they have made into commanders are fun, and I have played with a few of them. 
I think Planeswalker is just... I think starting with War of the Spark, looking at these Planeswalkers, those would make interesting decks. Uh, they might have had that in mind when making the set. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think that Planeswalkers as commanders wouldn't hurt. Like, there's there's a lot of like cataclysmic speech about Planeswalkers as commanders. I don't think that would be true. But I don't actually think it would add that much to the format. Yeah. I, I think that it would be like part of uh, the format's fun is that you have this really easy to blow up thing, but mm-hmm. you can get it back over and over again. And you can build a deck around that. And when you have something that's a little bit harder to deal with, maybe, but kind of has repeatable long game advantage. Like I said, I don't think it would break the format being able to use them as commanders, but I don't think it adds too much. Yeah. Like, that's kind of my... I'm kind of like... I'm not super either way. Like, if they're like, Planeswalkers or Commanders, I'd be like, okay. And if they're like, no Planeswalkers Commanders, I'd be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm kind of in the middle there, I guess. Yeah. There's two things I want to say before we move on to the next reader question. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that with Planeswalker Commanders, um, if, if they were to allow all Planeswalkers as Commanders, then I think it'd be really easy for them to just ban the really heinous ones. Yeah, I agree. So that I don't think that's an issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm kind of a... I was assuming that to be true. Yeah, but I have yeah. heard people who are like, it's going to be such a huge problem. Like, what would what if Ugin was your commander? That would be so messed up, dude. <sighs> it's like, then they ban it. Yeah. They have yeah. a built-in way to deal with that problem. I agree. <laughs> um, but another thing I want to mention, mention that's like a negative consequence potentially of these Planeswalker commanders is that uh, the more planeswalkers you have in a pod of four, the harder it is to deal with them. Yeah, and the slower the game goes. Yeah, because if you just have like one planeswalker commander, if I'm just playing to ready and it's three other people with normal decks with a creature in their command zone. Yeah, like they can all they all have a card on hand at all times that can attack my planeswalker. Yeah, but if another player has a planeswalker, then suddenly there's two planeswalkers and two creatures and it's a lot harder to focus that aggro and take out the planeswalker through that mechanism oh for sure so uh that's that's an issue and that could lead to like kind of grindy unfun games because like most of these planeswalkers are balanced or or at least the ones that have been designed for commander are balanced kind of with the assumption that they're going to lose some loyalty to just getting attacked yeah and if everyone's running a planeswalker then that's not necessarily true anymore for sure something that uh could be a concern if all planeswalkers become were to become legal long term Mm -hmm. um but then again like there's still way way fewer planeswalkers in magic than there are legendary creatures yeah so i think like an average pod probably would only have one yeah no i think that uh in general there isn't a lot going to be added to the format by putting Planeswalkers as commanders. Yeah. Uh, next reader question. Planeswalkers have always been iffy to me in Commander by their nature. What cards do you want to see in this set to make them less vulnerable? Like a maybe a, ghost pris- a ghostly prison for Planeswalkers? Um, so I think there are some good cards in Commander already to help you protect your planeswalkers. Um, I really like Mystic Barrier. Mm-hmm. Like, like, it is unfortunate that a lot of the older cards that prevent people from attacking you don't really 
like they weren't stop the planeswalkers it, exactly yeah, like yeah. they uh, or it would stop creatures from attacking the planeswalkers yeah but ghostly prison or sorry um but mystic barrier was designed after planeswalkers were introduced and it's a pretty effective yeah. way to keep them from getting hit um for those who aren't familiar with it it's four and a white for an enchantment when it enters the battlefield or at the beginning of your upkeep choose left or right each player may attack only the nearest opponent in the last chosen direction and planeswalkers controlled by that player. So basically you set the direction of the attacks and you're only ever going to be attacked by one of the people on your, either your left or right. Um, so when you only have to deal with one person's aggro and you choose the person whose aggro you're dealing with, it's a lot, lot easier to protect your planeswalkers. Yeah. Um, Another good one is Sphere of Safety. Yeah, that one is pretty strong. <laughs> yeah, so if you're running a deck with a... So this is only really good in a deck with a significant number of enchantments. Yeah. But four and a white for an enchantment. Creatures can't attack you or a planeswalker you control unless their controller pays X for each jo- for each of those creatures, where X is the number of enchantments you control. Yeah, it gets very large. Yeah. If you've got, like, you know... I, I, I don't think that Ghostly Prison or Propaganda do a whole lot to dissuade like non-token aggro Mm -hmm. but sphere of safety like paying four or more mana to attack somebody is a real that's like most of your turns tempo but both of those cards kind of have the disadvantage of like if someone just has a disenchant yeah then it's gone and they just attack your planeswalker and it was kind of like it was never there yeah um what i do really like is um some of the cards I mentioned earlier when I was talking about things you can run as Planeswalker Commanders, but like Spreading Plague or um, Deathmatch or The Abyss, just cards that make it impossible for creatures to yeah, survive. To exist. Yeah, Because once you have those down, like, A, every creature on the board is already dead. Yeah. It's, it's gone. <laughs> um, and then, like, people tend to, like, sandbag their creatures after that point. So even if they do rip the naturalize or the disenchant, they still have to like replay all their creatures and you have like a little bit of respite where you can try to set something else up to protect your planeswalkers as opposed to just like, boom, it's gone. It was never there. Red zone. Yeah. Yeah. Kill your planeswalker. I, um, I have an answer that I don't know if this person will like which is that I think it's a good thing that Planeswalkers are vulnerable in multiplayer. Mm -hmm. I think that um, if anyone who has played a game against Super Friends kind of can see how those incremental advantages kind of build up over time. And uh, I don't want every game to devolve to, oh no, like the Chandra ulted, or oh no, we couldn't stop this from ulting. Like I think that it's as frustrating as it can be to like want to play with the planeswalker and want to ult them and stuff like that it's better for games overall if you do have to try a little bit and again to to, i guess to actually answer the question i do agree like spreading plague i think cards like that are very good Mm -hmm. i think uh cards that make like a ton of tokens that make it really difficult to attack you like maybe death touch snakes or little flyers or uh plants or whatever like that makes it really difficult uh, to attack Planeswalkers. Uh, I, as you might know, if you've listened to more episodes of the show, don't typically like Ghostly Prison uh, and a lot of the mm-hmm. Pillow Fort cards, even if you have 
Planeswalkers, uh, except for the ones Nick mentioned, actually. I think those are like the two best ones. I don't know if I want to see more from this set to make them less vulnerable. Yeah, I think that <laughs> uh, the cards that I think are most effective at protecting Planeswalkers are completely miserable. Yes, they make games go very long. Yeah, just yeah. a but ton of stuff. Yeah. Like if you've ever p- played a creature deck against a Spreading Plague or a Deathmatch, yeah. it's just I can't play Magic until I deal with this, <laughs> and maybe I'm not in a color that can deal with this. Yeah, so it... it uh... I just think that this is a case of people um, not realizing how good they have it. I would like for them to make more commanders that are good in commander or more planeswalkers that are good in commander. Yeah. I would like them to print cards like that. I don't want them to print cards that so overtly support planeswalkers that the game devolves into we have to I have to put cards in my deck to stop so and so's planeswalker from ulting every game. I think that would be terrible because if you have ever ulted a planeswalker, like a good planeswalker, uh, that's uh, that's pretty nice. Yeah. If you've ever it's ulted, so rare. Yeah. If you've ever ulted a Tamio or if you've ever ulted, um, who else gives you an emblem? A Duretti. Cost, Duretti. Any of these commanders, it's nuts. Mm-hmm. Like you pretty much just win. Mm-hmm. Like even just like the Nissa, the like the the five mana one. Oh, that one's so good which is so good you the one where the from oh, it's landfall draw is, card yeah everyone who's listening to this is yelling at me but just the nissa vital from force no, vital, vital force. force the she ults next turn you go plus one make a four four minus six get the emblem that's nuts like she's really strong and i don't want every planeswalker to ult every game it's yeah sorry just to touch on nissa vital force yeah. for one second um prior to me building lord windgrace yeah i had never ulted a planeswalker in commander mm-hmm. and i've ulted nissa vital force and gotten that emblem i think three times yeah. since i built lord windgrace yeah uh yeah she is so easy to ult it's yeah, crazy it's crazy and i i actually i think in our play group that me and nick are in currently have the highest track record of ulting planeswalkers and I can tell you it's messed up. <laughs> Most planeswalkers are really messed up mm-hmm. and they're really good. And I think that it would, like games would end sooner if that were true. But I think that there'd be a lot of feel bads. Like the format wasn't better for Emrakul being in it because mm-hmm. games devolved into who got the Emrakul, who briberyed Emrakul, all that stuff. I think that if the format, if planeswalkers become too good in the format, then it ruins a lot of, the things that people like about yeah like people like attacking with their creatures they like voltron they like their tribal decks yeah um and to to the extent where where they like keep building them even if they aren't good yeah exactly um so to like make the format even less hospitable to aggressive strategies and and to friend strategies yeah seems not not like a good idea yeah but i will echo what you said i do agree that like rather than printing cards that support planeswalkers i would just rather see more good planeswalkers and especially yeah here's a really important thing expensive planeswalkers that control the board yeah. when they come down or just like are really good at protecting themselves yeah. i, I want to see more ugins i want to see 
more like Elspeth Sun's Champion. Yeah, I shot her cards. Flame Caller. I love. I played her so yeah. much. She's so good. Like six plus mana, mm -hmm. and then they just like wipe the board or do something crazy when they come down. Yeah, for sure. So that's a long-winded, lots of extrapolation mm -hmm. answer to this question. But um, I think that kind of does it for today. Yeah, yeah. Thank you uh, to the readers for sending in their questions. Thank you to Wizards for putting out such a cool batch of cards. Yeah, this actually, I mean, it was a lot of fun to look through all of this. And obviously we didn't touch on every card and you're going to hear more cards from us, but that's that's pretty, this set looks like it'll be more fun than I kind of was giving it credit for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, So really quickly, before we go, uh, I just want to give a shout out to our Patreon patrons. Uh, you can go, if you want to become one of them, you can go to Commander Theory, or sorry, patreon.com slash Commander Theory and join up. But uh, let me let me tell you, let me give a quick thank you to our, our buddies. We got Addison, Eamon, Bradley, Elvis, Mark, Mason, Ryan, and Gustav. So thank you all for supporting, and um, we'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time.